Now, grab your Bibles, if you will, and open them to Genesis chapter 14. Genesis 14. And I want to read you, um, oh, 13, 13, 14 verses or so that contains a lot of uh, names that I'm not sure I'm pronouncing correctly, but I'll give it my best shot. You follow us in your copies, beginning at verse 8. Genesis 14, verse 8. Here we go. Then the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Admah, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zoar, went out and they joined battle in the valley of Sidim with Chedorlaomer, king of Elam, Tidal, king of Goim, Amraphel, king of Shinar, and Arioch, king of Alasar. Four kings against five. Now the valley of Sidim was full of bitumen pits, and as the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some fell into them, and the rest fled to the hill country. So the enemy took all the possessions of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and went their way. They also took Lot, the son of Abram's brother, who was dwelling in Sodom and his possessions, and went their way. Then one who had escaped from who had escaped came and told Abram, the Hebrew, who was living by the oaks of Mamre the Amorite, brother of Eshcol and of Aner. Uh, these were allies of Abram. When Abram heard that his kinsmen had been taken captive, he led forth his trained men, born in his house, 318 of them, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. And he divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and defeated them and pursued them to Hobah, north of Damascus. Then he brought back all the possessions, he, and also brought back his kinsman Lot with his possessions and the women and the people. After his return from the defeat of Chedorlaomer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shaveh, that is, the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, it, it is that which endures forever. Guys, I want to begin this morning with a a public service announcement. I, it's the same one I make every month. But um, believe it or not, Gracie Van continues to experience a steady, healthy stream of visitors each Sunday morning, which we're thrilled about. And uh, if for no other reason than that, it seems essential uh, to try and explain what what's happening here at Gracie Van on these Communion Sundays. So let me do that real quickly, and then we'll kind of look at the text. Um, if you're visiting with us, you may not know it, but you've really chosen a pretty good Sunday to visit with us because I say that uh, because you, you won't be plagued with listening to me preach for 35 minutes. Um, you will be plagued for about 15 of those. But um, so really you, you, um, you came on a good Sunday. The reason that I cut my sermon short is because the sermon for us on these communion Sundays is a drama. Not a skit, but a, a piece of redemptive drama that was enacted first 
by Jesus Christ at Calvary. That event, that is, the event of Christ's sufferings and death, has been poured into some powerful symbols. Those. So once a month, we as a congregation reenact that event by meditating on these symbols. We relive, in essence, that event that took place right outside of Jerusalem, which is the very cornerstone of the Christian faith and Christian message. The way we do that is we take these symbols into our hands and then put them into our mouths and ultimately become a part of our bodies. Those things symbolizing for us the very cornerstone of all that we hold dear. The work of Jesus Christ for his people. So, all about to say, the power is, is there. It's, it's not in my preaching. My job on these Sundays is simply as a prompter. I'm here trying to help you remember things that, that you know and hold dear. Uh, this morning I've chosen to do that via this little vignette out of the life of Abraham in Genesis 14. So look over that with me and, and then we'll, we'll meet you at the table in a minute. But I think the name Abraham rings a bell, although in the text he's called Abram. His name doesn't get changed until chapter 17. And the name Abram and Abraham, they're the same guy. Uh, but I think you know the name Abraham. He's considered the, the father of the faith, uh, revered by three world religions, uh, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. Uh, revered as the father and the founder of those religions, all three of them. Well, um, Abram has a nephew whose name is Lot. Um, Lot was the son of Abraham's brother Nahor. And when Abraham uh, set out, Lot went with him. And you might remember um, over in chapter 13, which we didn't read. But in chapter 13, the two of them, Abraham and Lot, uh, have both become very wealthy. And they, they determined that because they have so much, they can't live in the same territory. So they need to split up. And so Abraham initiates this whole thing. And he comes to Lot, his nephew, and he says, listen, we both have too much to live side by side. How about this? Uh, you go one way, I'll go the other. And I'll let you pick first. You go to the left, I'll go to the right. You go to the right, I'll go to the left. Whatever you like, but you choose, and, and I'll go the other direction. Well, Lot, as most of you know, chose to live in Sodom. <laughs> Bad choice. For lots of reasons. Uh, Sodom was not only wicked, but it was militarily weak. And had been kicked around on several occasions by this Cheddar Leomer guy. I'm not sure I'm saying that rightly, but that's the best I can do. Cheddar Leomer had been kicked around a couple of times by, by him. And so they finally had enough. And Sodom um, allies himself with four other kings and they pitch battle. Five kings against four. In a field where there's a lot of tar pits, bitumen pits, and some of the, the soldiers get trapped in there. and they, they're, But that's what the story tells you. But anyway, Cheddar Lamer wins again, and Sodom uh, flees. And as a result of that victory, Cheddar Lamer, um takes everything he can find in Sodom, including Lot and his wives and his family and his possessions. And they head north in a victory celebration. 
Well, somebody escapes from that war and um, comes and tells Abraham. You know what happened? Your nephew, he's, been, he, he's, a, he's a captive. He is you now enslaved to Cheddar Laramie. He's nothing more than a, than a prisoner of war. And immediately, Abraham leaps into this, this role of military strategist, of uh, uh, liberator, of deliverer. And we're told in verse 14 that um, when he had found out that, uh, you know, his kinsman, Lot, was a captive, a prisoner of war, he uh, gathers all these people out of his own home, 318 of them are mentioned there, and they're, interestingly, they're, they're described as being trained men. I don't know who trained them, but they're, they're trained men. And they head off in pursuit of Cheddar Larimer, and who's now got Lot as a captive. And then in verse 15, we're told, in a, in a stroke of military genius, at night, he divides up his army, the, all 318 of them, and he routs the enemy and rescues his nephew Lot and all of his family and all of his possessions and brings them back with him. Um, for the first time in a long time, Cheddar Larimer has been defeated and his stranglehold on that region has now been eliminated uh, uh, once and for all. Abraham is no longer just Lot's uncle. He's also Lot's deliverer, Lot's liberator. Now, on his way back, that is, on, uh, on Abraham's way back from war, he is met by this mysterious character, Melchizedek. And notice this little meeting takes place in the King's Valley. And what they do now, if you'll notice in verse 18... And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Gang, in Judaism, wine has always been the symbol of joy. It's, it's used that way in so many of um, Israel's celebrations today. It's a, it's a token of celebration and joy. So what takes place here is... That there is a celebration that goes on as a result of the victory over Chedorlaomer. A, a great deliverance has just taken place through Abraham, and it's time to celebrate. Did you pick up the prophetic beauty and all that? Did you see it? Just in case you may have missed it, let, let me just kind of outline it for you rather hurriedly. Gang, here's a story that has a great deal of, of historical value, yes, but its value for us lies beyond its historical accuracy. Its value is like this. Much like Lot... We Christians were once citizens of a fallen, wicked city. And we were captives to a, to a foreign power who had enslaved us in a very cruel bondage. 
And then Jesus Christ, the seed of Abraham, rescued us from the one who had enslaved us. And then, as a result of this great deliverance, he then invites us to celebrate his victory with him. A victory far more decisive than Abraham's and far more meaningful than Abraham's. It was a victory that is that was not won at Dan or in Hobah north of Damascus. It was a victory that was won right outside of Jerusalem on a hill that is the New Testament version of the King's Valley called Golgotha. And there he was impaled on a cross. And by that event has procured a victory for all the ages. And we celebrate that victory with bread and wine. Just like they did. You know, I'll I'll quit with this, but I often like to think if had I been able to interview Lot, who was just recently a POW but now had been delivered, had I had the opportunity to interview him, and I could have said, Lot, Lot, are you, um, are you happy about what's just taken place? Well, well, of course I am, Jimmy. I mean, I'm, well, well, why? Why are you so happy? Why? Well, doesn't that seem like a a fairly foolish question, Jimmy? Why am I happy? Because I just, just the other day, I was a prisoner of war. I was enslaved to a cruel bondage. And now, because of him, my uncle Abraham, I've been delivered. I'm, I'm, I'm no longer a slave. You know, because of his victory on my behalf. I have moved from the position of being a prisoner of war to being liberated. I got a whole new life in front of me because of what he did for me. My brother and sister in Christ, because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, It's time to celebrate. And we're going to use bread and wine to do it. Let's pray. Our Father, I do pray that you'll remind your people that what we're doing is has got such a huge dimension of celebration in it. That we're being reminded that because of these, the event that these symbols symbolize, we who were once prisoners of war are now brand new people, set free, and we got a whole new life in front of us because of a victory that was won for us by Jesus Christ. Father, listen to the shouts of celebration 
that come from the hearts of your people today. We ask it in Jesus' name.